Thanks, guys. Yes. Uh, are we on there, James? We're on. Testing. One, two. Good. Righto. Yes, um, Exchange Kids have started up again this Sunday, so feel free to uh, wander out the back to the lounge. But on your way past, please just sign your kids in as we uh, uphold our child safety policies to provide a safe place for uh, kids to come and uh, learn about Jesus. A lot of kids today, nearly half the church has just walked out. That's good though, that's excellent. We love that. We love lots of kids. Now one thing I forgot to mention before is our next sermon series, and it was on my long list of all the other things to um, announce, but I forgot to do it. Uh, We're doing a series called What Does That Mean? What Does That Mean? So the whole idea there, we want you to come back to us with a passage of scripture that maybe you've read through a number of times and you've come to the end of that passage and said to yourself, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? So what we're going to do, we're going to take uh, 10 of those and over 10 weeks, look at some of those difficult passages. I've already had a couple come in. It's really got me worried already about some of the passages we're going to look at. But I'm going to enjoy it. And um, look, no one's got the perfect hold on the scripture. So um, sometimes we just don't fully know what those things mean. But we'll do our best to uh, gather our best thoughts so we can uh, do that. So if you've got a passage, please, please let me know about it. Um, go to info at exchangechurch.org.au and uh, give me the reference. So don't sort of give me the idea. I want you to actually dig in and say, hey, here's the passage of the Bible I want, I'd like to have a look at. And if I get 20 or 30, that will be okay, but we will have to reduce it back to 10. I'm not going to pick the 10 hardest. No, no, no. I'll just I'll pick sort of what comes uh, through first, or if there's a number of people saying the same one, obviously I'll do that as well. So uh, in your Bibles, and if you've got hard parts or difficult parts, please uh, come, post them up to me, and I will um, email them to me, and I'll uh, we'll put that together in a series. <coughs> And that'll start at the end of the Philippians series is what, what, is what we're in now. And that probably will go for another maybe five weeks or so until we finish that. So we are in Philippians. Uh, we're about the halfway mark, thereabouts, uh, in this great book. Uh, and as I think about this week coming for us, we have uh, Anzac Day this coming Wednesday. Hence we uh, advertise before we're going to hand out Bibles. Um, Anzac Day is a day that's remembered for service and sacrifice that was made on the front lines of battle. There's some really heroic stories there as we see um, people in incredible duress and incredible challenge uh, going forward on behalf of their country uh, to serve in fearless uh, service and sacrifice. Uh, one person you probably who you would know very well if you've done any sort of study on the world wars or particularly uh, Anzac's story is uh, Simpson and his donkey, John Simpson. Uh, in 24 days, he rescued 300 r- wounded men uh, and then was gunned down himself a- after that. So, I mean, uh, a massive legend, but it was all over 24 days. Uh, he was just an, an outstanding uh, character who uh, fearlessly served and sacrificed uh, on the uh, Anzac Cove. And here's what uh, General John Manish said about him. Uh, Private Simpson and his little beast earned the admiration of everyone at the upper end of the valley. They worked all day and night throughout the whole period since the landing, and the help rendered to the wounded was invaluable. Simpson knew no fear and moved unconcernedly amid shrapnel and rifle fire, steadily carrying out his self-imposed task day by day, and he frequently earned the applause of the personnel for his many fearless rescues 
of wounded men from areas subject to rifle and shrapnel fire. That's what General John Monash had to say about him uh, just after he was gunned down himself. John Simpson and his donkey served and sacrificed tirelessly for his country, albeit for 24 days, but still a tremendous example there of serving and sacrificing. Uh, And this is a sense where Paul will take us today in Philippians chapter 2 as we look at a couple of uh, people here in Philippians that are also were serving and sacrificing for the cause of the gospel in gospel partnership. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, go to Philippians chapter 2 and we will read from verses 19 uh, through to 30. Starting at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because, he heard that, because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am, more, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honour such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Father, we uh, just thank you now that we can gather uh, under your word. We ask and pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would give us uh, soft hearts to understand your word and to receive this word, and not only to receive it, but allow it to transform us and to change us. Because, Lord, that is the whole point of the work of your word and your spirit together as disciples, that we are changing into the image of Christ. So we ask and pray that you'd help us to do that today as we look through this passage here in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Lord, we ask that in uh, your name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. One thing that Paul was keen to see in place in his gospel work uh, was partners or teams working together. Uh, Paul knew that the gospel in a fallen world would be very, very difficult. And there was much truth even when God said himself right back at the start, it is not good that man should be alone. He knew that partners or working together was a good thing. There's much that challenges the work of the kingdom of Christ in going forward into the world around about us. In Paul's day, Christianity was a whole new religion in many respects. It was just another religion amongst all the other sects and cults going around back then with Roman emperor worship. Uh, Greek mythologies and Judaism, Jesus follows with just another religious group. So as people came, became believers and were established in their faith, Paul, along with the church elders, would uh, coordinate these people into gospel teams or gospel partnerships. They function as the, in these teams, uh, trying to connect people to Jesus and to grow people in Christ where they were in those cities. Uh, These gospel partners were filled with the Holy Spirit and they would live out the teachings of Christ right in the communities where they dwelled. They became living examples of of Jesus Christ himself. 
And this is what we begin to see here in Philippians chapter 2 towards the end of this chapter. We see Timothy and Epaphroditus living out the gospel in very inspiring ways here as they serve the Philippian church and as they serve Paul and ultimately as they serve Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Timothy at one end of the spectrum is a church leader. And then at the other end we have Epaphroditus who would perhaps just be seen as a a regular member of the church here in Philippi. But both of these guys here have been recorded for us in Scripture to see as an example of serving and sacrificing uh, for the gospel, living out the teachings of Jesus Christ. They're not held out as perfect because nobody is perfect except for Jesus himself, but they have been transformed by Christ and now they purpose to go about living their lives serving and sacrificing in Christ's kingdom uh, for the cause of the gospel. So let's have a look at these examples here of Timothy and Epaphroditus here in gospel service as they serve uh, Jesus. Firstly, Timothy. We do find Paul, though, in this book, uh, imprisoned in Rome. He's not able to do what he usually likes to do. Paul would really like to be out there living for Jesus, sharing the gospel and strengthening disciples. If you read through the book of Acts, you see the many missionary journeys that Paul undertook. He's not wasted, though, in prison. We saw that again early in this book that God was doing good things despite Paul's imprisonment of encouraging other people to stand up and speak about the gospel. But at the moment, Paul can't do that. He's imprisoned. Paul needs help for the gospel to grow. So Paul's calling upon his gospel partners in this. He's calling upon other believers committed to Jesus to come together for his kingdom. In verse 19, we see that he begins to call upon Timothy. He said, I'm going to send Timothy to you guys to perhaps see how you're doing and strengthen you. We first discover Timothy when Paul is on his second missionary journey. Paul meets Timothy in Lystra and here he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ and he joins Paul for the remainder of that journey for the cause of the gospel. Paul recognises some potential in Timothy and invests Uh, time in him, in developing him to become a uh, a growing follower of Jesus. And as our passage says there in verse 22, they had like a father-son relationship. There's something very special perhaps there with Timothy that Paul really wanted to invest in him. As I was reading the commentaries this week, they probably thought that Timothy's dad had died, so Paul maybe had taken him in on that type of a relationship as well. As we look at the life of Timothy, though, we see he's one that struggled with fear. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God, this is Paul talking to Timothy, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. Prior to this verse, Paul's encouraging Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God has given to him to serve in the kingdom. Then Paul says we haven't been given a spirit of fear. So there's a sense there maybe that Timothy was suffering with perhaps a bit of fear and just was a bit sort of shy. So Paul wanted to encourage him that. Paul could see the hand of the Holy Spirit upon Timothy's life. So he was also given the lead eldership of the church at Ephesus, a very major and strategic church as far as the gospel was concerned in the province of Asia Minor. He was also given uh, that church had a few challenges as well. So Timothy had a fairly big job there in leading uh, the church at Ephesus. Not only did he lead that church, but he was also influencing by leading other churches around the Roman world at that particular time as well. Interesting to see here about Timothy, he wasn't going about seeking these positions. He just faithfully followed Jesus and did his best with whatever he put his hand to. 
He wasn't out there seeking fame or fortune. Uh, We see him there just wanting to simply glorify Christ. And if something was given to him to lead a church or whatever, he just took it willingly and went on with that. Something that we see about Timothy here in this passage, though, we see a picture of his character here that Paul gives us, and it's in verse 20. And we see there he has a desire to look out for the interests of others. He says, therefore, I have no one like him, Paul says, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul says, I have no one else like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Timothy is genuinely concerned for the well-being of the Philippian church. Genuinely. He just doesn't have a passing interest in what's happening there. Timothy is not like, well, what can I get out of this before I come and serve in that church or help you, Paul? What's in it for me? That's not how Timothy's looking at this. Paul knows that Timothy's been transformed by Jesus and that he's going to honestly care for the church here in Philippi. Timothy will feel whatever they're going through. If they're going through a challenge, in a real sense, Timothy will feel that challenge with them with his genuine concern. If they're going through some sort of pain, again, Timothy will feel that as a church in genuine concern for this body of believers here in Philippi. Here's Timothy, a gospel partner, genuine, and he'll be absolutely honestly concerned about whatever they're going through in Philippi. And he's come here to serve with Paul for the church at Philippi to see them grow. This is the heart of a gospel partner here, serving together uh, with other believers. Timothy is a leader and he's serving with the interests of others weighing heavily on his mind as he seeks to partner for the gospel here and Paul's about to use him in this particular way. So that's Timothy, Epaphroditus. He's another guy that Paul highlights as well for gospel service here at Philippi. His name's Epaphroditus, probably not one of your most popular names. Uh, his name actually means handsome. Handsome. We've got any handsome. James, you're a bit of a handsome guy, so maybe we could change your name to Epaphroditus down there. How'd that go? Now you keep it where it is, okay, right? Keep it where it is. He's a young man and he's willing and devoted to serve Jesus. And it says there in verse 25 I thought it necessary to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. We don't hear about this guy too much. In fact, this is the only mention of him in the Bible is in these few short verses. So he's no star by sort of multiple entries in the Bible. He's not sort of someone of a big reputation because we see him featuring in lots of different books. Not at all. He's probably just an ordinary follower here of Jesus in Philippi. So here we have a bit of a picture. We have a Timothy as a leader, setting an example in gospel service and living. And now we've got Epaphroditus, who would be seen by probably worldly standards as a nobody in the church if somebody's looking. Well, he's just somebody who sits in the back and doesn't, he's not up front doing something like that. But there's a contrast here that I think is being demonstrated for us by the Holy Spirit in living out the gospel. What we see with Epaphroditus is a real willingness to get in there as a gospel partner and serve. Let's try and think about what's happening in the background here. The Philippian church knows about Paul's imprisonment in Rome. I mean, the word did travel up and down those Roman roads. They also knew that people don't get looked after in Roman prisons. 
Actually, they were relying on people bringing in food and provisions for them to actually survive their time in Roman prisons. They weren't getting sort of three square meals a day given to them by the Roman government. They relied on other people bringing stuff in. Paul's in prison for the gospel, unjustly imprisoned. In fact, as we said earlier on, Christianity wasn't looked upon as being good for society. It was seen as upsetting the social order of Roman life. So nobody really is going to go forward to help Paul as a religious prisoner. Because in doing that, in making yourself known by going into the prison and taking food and clothing or whatever else that might be needed in there, you begin to identify yourself with him as part of the Christian community. You're sort of beginning to fly your flag or show your true colours. This is who I am. I'm a supporter of Paul. If I go into prison, that's what they're going to know about me, that I'm actually a Christian and I'm going in there to support Paul in his time of need. The Philippian church, though, along with Epaphroditus, love Jesus and they love Paul. And they're keen to show that love by supporting Paul and meeting his needs in jail, despite Rome being hundreds of kilometres away from Philippi. So Epaphroditus puts up his hand and says, I'll go, I'll go. Now, it's not a simple journey from Philippi to Rome. It's not like you can just jump in your car and be in Melbourne sort of a couple of hours later. It's not that at all. They didn't have that transportation back then. We don't know how we got there, but if it was by boat, it would probably take a week. And they're small boats, and depending on the sailing time, it could have been a fairly up and down, rough type of voyage. Or if he went overland, it would probably take two or three weeks from Philippi to get to Rome. Bit of a challenge to do that. Whatever way it was, it's a big undertaking for Epaphroditus to actually say, I'll go, I'll deliver this supplies for Paul in prison. But he's willing to do this. He's willing to serve and partner in the gospel for Jesus, uh, for the sake of Paul and for the sake of the uh, Philippian church. So what's he do? He probably takes some money and supplies for Paul and he makes it to Rome and he encourages Paul while he's there. And not not only while he's there doing that, but Paul's actually got him to do some other things because Paul's constrained in prison. He can't actually get out and do the things he'd like to do. Paul's got uh, some other activities going on there. So he's actually spent maybe, who knows, could be a couple of months, could be longer, could be three months, could be even longer than that, serving Paul and whatever he can do to help uh, meet Paul's needs at that particular time. And in that verse we've still got up there, Paul actually gives him some really uh, great sort of descriptive terms about him. Paul calls him affectionately a brother. He's referring to Epaphroditus there. He's a brother. This is a great sign of gospel partnership. It's affection between each other. There's like a bond of love or deep mateship here between Paul and Epaphroditus. Paul sees him affectionately. He says, he's my brother. It's a great picture here of gospel partnership and serving and sacrificing in the gospel. Again, also, Paul calls him a fellow worker. Paul says he's a fellow worker with me in the gospel. In other words, in this gospel partnership and service, Epaphroditus is willing to labour for whatever it takes for the gospel to go forward. He's a fellow worker. He's willing to labour for the gospel as a partner here. Epaphroditus is willing to get down and get his hands dirty for the gospel. He's not afraid of working for the kingdom. He's a fellow worker. Paul calls him also a fellow soldier. Another great descriptive term here that Paul genuinely shows us about Epaphroditus. In other words, in gospel partnership and service, 
Epaphroditus is willing to do the hard things because that's what soldiers do. They go to places where nobody else really wants to go. Epaphroditus is a fellow soldier. He's willing to face up to whatever opposition would come to the gospel at that particular time. And at that particular time, there was lots of opposition for the gospel. He was a fellow soldier in the work of Christ for the kingdom of Jesus. And Paul's saying that he was willing to do the hard things and go to the places where no one else would go. Now, Epaphroditus actually vividly examines, uh, sorry, examples this devotion to us in this service and partnership, as we see in this passage here. Paul tells us that Epaphroditus has nearly died in carrying out this service of Paul and for the gospel. Philippians 2, 26 and 27. Paul's talking about Epaphroditus. He says, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And in verse 30, Paul says this, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. It's a pretty remarkable picture here of the sacrifice and the service that Epaphroditus made here in the gospel. He nearly died. Pretty risky stuff. It says that he risked his life. Now, you've got to think about Epaphroditus. He doesn't have to do this stuff. He's back in Philippi just doing his own thing. No one's forcing him to leave his family and friends for a few months. No one's ordering him to go and to serve and to sacrifice here. He's willingly going and doing this. And this gospel partnership in serving and sacrificing has nearly cost him his life as he's done that. So there's two guys here as we think about them, Timothy and Epaphroditus. From an outsider looking in, they would look like they're probably from opposite ends of the order. Timothy's perhaps an upfront person, leading from the front, and Epaphroditus plays his part in the behind-the-scenes role. I think there's a good picture the Spirit gives us as we see that. It's trying to encompass all people in the way God has gifted them. So it's important here to see what drives these two guys to be willing to serve and sacrifice and labour in the gospel like this? What is it that's in them that enables them to serve sacrificially here in the cause of Christ? Well, both of these guys have the same driver in life and it's in this passage where we see it. They've both met Jesus Christ and he has radically transformed their lives to now serve and sacrifice in gospel partnership. Timothy in verse 21, 22 says there, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy's got the gospel. Timothy has met Jesus Christ. Timothy has discovered who Jesus is as the Lord of life. And in a supernatural conversion, Jesus has radically changed Timothy's life for the better. He's changed Timothy now into a, uh, a labourer and a worker in great joy for the cause of the gospel, for the cause of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to give him a, love, a heart of love and willingness now to reach out and to serve Jesus. And the same for Epaphroditus in verse 30, as we saw there before. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus has also discovered Jesus. He's also heard the gospel 
and the Holy Spirit's unveiled that truth deep inside of his heart and he's been radically changed. Maybe it was when Paul visited Philippi that Epaphroditus heard for the first time. Whenever it was, it doesn't matter, but he's been revealed to him deeply into his life that Jesus is the Lord of life and the same thing has happened. The Holy Spirit has come and transformed the heart of Epaphroditus and given him a heart now to serve and labour and sacrifice in gospel partnership here for us today as examples. And they are meant to inspire us. They're meant for, to, to um, as it were, awaken within us the same call that God places upon us. And I believe very firmly uh, this is put in here uh, by the Holy Spirit and it's, pretty, it's, it's an outworking of verses 3 to 5 in the same chapter. If we just go back to that for a second, we can see that. This is back a few weeks ago. We spoke about this uh, where Paul is saying this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Timothy and Epaphroditus are a working out of what Paul is um, encouraging the Philippians with here. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is exactly what Timothy and Epaphroditus are doing. They're not being self-absorbed. They're looking out. How can they serve in this kingdom? How can they serve and glorify Jesus Christ? This is exactly the change that Jesus has made in these guys. And they are now willingly and gladly serving in gospel partnership. Both Timothy and Epaphroditus have grasped the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ and now now they joyfully make sacrifice so that others can know and grow in Jesus as well. They've discovered that Jesus is the king. What they've discovered about him, that Jesus did not sit back and was served by us, in a sense, when he was here. But that Jesus came to serve. And Jesus absolutely demonstrated that at the cross. He served there when he didn't have to serve. Jesus sacrificed there at the cross when he didn't have to sacrifice. And Jesus gave when he didn't have to give at the cross. And this is what has radically transformed the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus as they began to see just exactly who Jesus is. They served and sacrificed willingly and gladly in gospel partnership. Serving and sacrificing, it presents us with a massive challenge, doesn't it? Because naturally, naturally, we aren't inclined to do this. Because of our sin or our neglect of God, we often look for the path of least work or least effort. The path of least resistance, some might call it. And this becomes particularly so when it comes to serving other people. If I or you can get away with it sometimes and get someone else to serve me, this is a path we can easily fall into. We would rather be served than go and serve others. We always see it advertised, don't we? The ultimate paradise is advertised as somebody sitting under a palm tree and you're just being served hand on foot. Just that your every wish or desire, someone is serving you. It's sort of deemed as the ultimate paradise here in this world. I was talking to a mate at the footy uh, this week at footy training. Not not that I'm training, guys. My son was training, okay? Talking to a mate at the footy this week and he was telling me that they can barely get anybody to serve around the club. They can barely find anybody to serve around the football club. They all want to enjoy the football club, but nobody wants to get in there behind the scenes and make it happen by serving. 
It's sort of the natural inclination we go in our fallenness. Effectively, we are all turned in upon ourselves and we become sort of self-driven by our own interests. And Paul says it here uh, in this passage for us. He says in verse 21, For they all seek their own interests. For they all seek their own... They're they're actually self-absorbed. All they're thinking about is themselves and not those of Jesus Christ. It's a reflection of us. It's a reflection of our brokenness. It's a reflection of our sinfulness. You see, this is what this turned in upon ourselves means. In our natural sense, our first inclination is to look in and serve my own self first and not look out. And in many ways when we do that, when we look in and don't look out, we actually just don't see these people around about us that we could serve. We become self-absorbed. It's all about us. But here's two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, that have been absolutely transformed with the gospel. The Spirit is now willing and working within them to look outwards. Their affections have been changed. Since the love of God has been poured into their heart, they now have a deep desire to show that love through service and sacrifice in gospel partnership. They're not looking in, they're looking out. You see, these guys really get that gospel partnership, serving and sacrificing for Jesus, plays an incredibly strategic role in growing disciples of Jesus Christ. They get that by serving and sacrificing up for others, it helps to grow disciples of Jesus. And it really does. As, as, as they serve in the body of Christ, Timothy and Epaphroditus, it encourages and builds others to serve as well. It really does. As others are served by them or see them serving other people, it actually helps to inspire others to go and serve as well. It serves as an example. This becomes a blessing that many share in. People actually grow and help others to grow in Christ when they serve. Remarkably, God uses that to inspire us, to bless us and to help us grow. Imre. Imre comes along on Friday nights and absolutely blesses me to exchange youth. He comes along and helps by organising the games as a young adult help. It's a fantastic blessing for me here at Exchange Youth. Not only that, we've had Jared and uh, Jane and Chelsea come as well. When that happens, it actually encourages me and helps me to grow. It's just a blessing that comes as we uh, serve each other. You see, we have to ask ourselves here, when we think about this example that Timothy and Epaphroditus have put there for us, where can I join in with gospel partnership? Where can I serve? Where can I help? Where can I follow Jesus and look to serve in his kingdom so that others can grow in him through my serving and sacrificing in gospel partnership? Here's Epaphroditus making time and risking his life to serve Paul and the Philippian church. He's no different to us, even though he's 2,000 years ago. He's got a life in Philippi where he's trying to make a a go of things. He's trying to establish himself and do what he can in Philippi to make a life. He's got things he wants to achieve. And there's probably plenty of amusement for Epaphroditus back there too to have lots of fun with as well. He's got a life that's no different to us. But he's got a totally different mindset since he's met Christ and the gospel's transformed him. He's thinking, where now can I serve? Who can I help? Where can I be useful? What can I do that will help grow disciples in Jesus' kingdom with the gifts and talents he's given to me? 
It's a challenge here in the Western world we live in because we are such a self-absorbed culture where it is all about me. But this is where the gospel turns it all upside down. It brings about this radical change where we now look outside of ourselves and we don't look in. We look to serve others and not necessarily ourselves first. As I look across here at Exchange Church, I see massive potential. Massive potential as I look across this church. And the the potential is the willing service that will make Exchange radiate as a serving church. A church that is known for serving each other and serving the community. There is massive potential sitting here in this church to serve and to sacrifice as gospel partners. A people who are actively looking out to to see what we can do to glorify God by serving and sacrificing to make disciples of Jesus. We need to ask ourselves questions like this. Where can I serve in the gospel? If I'm young, I've got piles of energy. How am I using that energy or those gifts and talents to serve Jesus? What am I doing to engage with gospel partnership? How am I serving? What am I doing? We should never, ever, if you're in the younger category, don't ever look across the, say, uh, across the church and say, I'm just too young. I can't serve. You know, I'm, you know, I'm only 16, 17, 18, 13. I'm too young. I can't do that. Don't ever say that. Don't ever, ever say that. This is the time to start serving. The younger, the better. If they're trained in servicing, in serving and sacrificing at a young age, it really does help to produce a heart of continuing to grow in service and sacrifice. And when you're young, you have got piles of energy, you've got lots of time, and you can serve in many, many ways when you're young. It is a great time to start serving. There's potential, though, in, in the older as well, people of exchange. Don't ever think it's over because you're older. You've still got potential and you've still got some energy and you still can contribute. Don't ever, ever think, well, look, I'm a bit old now, I can't really serve. I'll just sort of sit back and just sort of, you know, go go along for the ride. Don't ever think that if you're older. One thing you have got is maturity and experience. That is absolutely invaluable in serving. It's precious in gospel service. One of the greatest things you can do as an older person is to actually keep serving in gospel partnership to the very end. To the very end. I think an example of servicing, uh, serving and sacrificing uh, to the end in gospel partnership demonstrates uh, the love of Christ filling your life to others looking on. And as young people see that, it becomes something that the Holy Spirit uses to provoke or inspire them to serve. They actually see somebody in their 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s. It'll be at varying capacities, still serving, still sacrificing in partnership in the gospel. It is inspirational. It is inspirational to see older people run the race of gospel partnership to the very end serves to show that Jesus is supremely valuable. They are willing right to the very end of their days to keep servicing, uh, serving and sacrificing uh, for Christ. It really is a precious thing to see and when that takes place. So friends, let's be inspired today by Timothy and Epaphroditus as we think about 
uh, their selfless gospel partnership in serving and sacrificing for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's do this uh, willingness to serve and sacrifice by making disciples for Jesus and his glory and uh, for our joy. It's a great example for us today. Even as I was reflecting through these guys, I mean, Epaphroditus is just a young guy just willing to just go to that effort to, on behalf of the Philippian church and, uh, and Paul. Let me just say one last thing here about a talk like this. Yeah, sometimes we can go away and we can be inspired by that. Okay, yeah, I need to serve. I need to actually, I've got lots of energy. I'm young. You know, I've got some gifts and talents. I can do something. Or I'm old, actually. I can do something. Yeah. Sometimes we get inspired by that. At the moment. We do. The important thing is to act upon it really quickly. Because if anything like me, sometimes you might hear a talk about this. Yeah, actually, I should do something. And then just sort of let it wander away out of your mind for a few days and then a week later you've nearly forgotten all about it. The whole aspect of the gospel coming to us is to change us. So not only do we want to be challenged to serve and to sacrifice, but we want to be changed to become servers and to be willing to sacrifice as the gospel does that. So think about that, but do something. Don't let it sit in neutral in your mind. Be active about something even this week. Engage. Father, thank you. Thank you today that we can uh, come around your word. Thank you, Lord, for the life of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Thank you, Lord, for the willingness that they had to uh, labour for the gospel, to serve and to sacrifice in gospel partnership. Uh, Lord, today I pray that they would inspire us and encourage us and even provoke us, Lord, to not be self-absorbed, so, which is so easily happening here in this Western culture. But Lord, they would provoke us uh, to serve in the gospel. And Lord, I pray you'll stir all of our hearts, not just to think about it and to be challenged, but to be changed. And Lord, to derive out of that uh, immense joy and blessing as we serve and see your kingdom grow. God, thank you. Thank you for Timothy. Thank you for Epaphroditus. And thank you for the work that you have done in their lives to inspire us today. Uh, God, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have um, Barb's come and lead us around the communion table now as we wrap up. Jared, if I could get you and uh, Nathan, if you guys could just hand out the um, emblems, that would be uh, really helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Babs. Oh, so um, so I'm sharing from the same passage that Todd's preached on. Um, and when I read this passage and the context that it's, that's all around it, it, as Todd's already elaborated, it does breathe a really deeply uh, loving and caring concern for people, um, in particular for the Philippian church, which was very dear to Paul. Um, when I read this, uh, I must ask myself, um, Todd's already given us a challenge, whether I have the same interest in and concern for my fellow exchangers. Um, to start with, Paul is in prison, and yet all he's about is this concern for others 
um, encouraging them to grow, to stay strong, to love one another. Um, Folks, we cannot really get this kind of deep love or desire to serve on our own. We really, really have to press into our relationship with Christ. We have to slow down and meditate on who he is and the truths of our salvation. Um, I know it kind of sounds maybe religious or super spiritual. Um, We can sometimes get jaded or or a bit familiar with um, this, but really it is astounding that each one of us who has put our faith in Christ um, is loved by this creator of the universe. You know, that, that I can know him is just... It's stunning um, that he and I have something going together is really something just remarkable. And we need this to fuel our lives. Um, Todd also shared this bit, but if you go back a bit in chapter 2, um, in verse 5 it tells us this, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. So we have the mind of Christ, the Bible tells us. And it it does not come from just reading that verse, suddenly I have the mind of Christ, but it comes through relationship and the daily choices to love and serve. So in keeping with Paul in this passage, as we approach communion this morning, my encouragement to myself and to all of us is that we keep on pressing in to know Christ as we have the mind of Christ, then we will have, be equipped, we will have the capacity, we will have the inspiration to love and to show kindness to one another and to serve as, as the, the passage tells, asks us to. Um, how can I resent opportunities to love and to serve? If I do that, I'm, I'm really on the wrong boat because the Jesus boat is one of love and service. Um, And it can't be a guilt trip. The Bible says the load is easy and the burden is light, right? So it it has to flow out of this relationship with Christ. And so that's my, my real encouragement to all of us today. If you are feeling pressured that, oh, now I've got to sign up at the back. Am I going to let me out the door before I sign up on the dotted line? You know, it's, it flows out of knowing Jesus Christ and loving him. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. Um, and that's why we've gathered here. We're not a footy club, you know, looking for volunteers. We, we do it because of Jesus. So let's bow our heads now as we, as we take the bread and the wine. Um, let us give thanks that through the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of Christ, our precious Lord, that through his death and his resurrection, we can now have the mind of Christ. How sweet this is. To love him in return by loving his people, by serving and by sharing his message to the people around us. Let us eat and drink. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks, Babs. Uh, we'll just have the singers, musicians come back to just uh, finish off one song. Um, again, I would love to catch up with any of you guys. If, if you want some prayer or have any questions um, regarding today's talk, uh, please uh, feel free to come and catch up with me after service. Thank you. Right, stand with us as we finish with a joyful song. Uh, more than conquerors. <laughs>